Our Scott Slade talked with a retired Air Force Colonel Jerry Singleton. He is preparing for a reunion later this month of a couple hundred fellow former prisoners of war. It will be 50 years they're marking since they were released. Well, you were held at a North Vietnam POW camp for 2,655 days, just shy of eight years. What do you credit for getting through that? Well, first of all, I need to correct the official record. The official record does show 2,655 days as a prisoner of war. I was actually only a captive of the North Vietnamese for 2,650 days. I managed to escape and evade for the first five days before I was finally captured. And I promise you, the five days running were better than any days as a POW. But um, my only reason for still being alive is God wasn't finished with me yet. And when I talk about uh, my experience as a prisoner in North Vietnamese, one of the things I always want to say is that that time as a prisoner of the North Vietnamese was God's most gracious gift to me next to my salvation. Why do you say that? Well, um, among other things, I got to watch the Lord prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies as Psalm 23 describes. And I got to watch him do it almost every day for more than seven years. And he even made the bad guys use their own hands to do it. And uh, I was a Christian when I was shot down. My prayer life began in earnest when I was in the parachute, falling to the ground. And my prayer was, Lord, get me out of this, please. And he did something even better. While he could have gotten me out of there before I was even captured, uh, he let me stay there for more than seven years and show me that he could take care of me in the worst, one of the worst places in the world and protect me and provide for me even there for all that time. Uh, I would rather spend the greatest adversity and know him than live a very comfortable life on this earth and never really know who he is or what he's like. That's what he did for me. What, what do you tell people when they ask you just, just how bad was it? Uh, we had a cliché. Uh, people today are probably not familiar with the term gallows humor, so I'll use the term prison humor. Uh, we describe the constant threat from the enemy as torture, death, and maybe worse. They didn't like us. Their choice would have been to give each one of us a slow, painful death. The only reason the North Vietnamese kept any of us alive was that we were heavy-duty political capital to them. At least that was their assessment. 
And if the end of the war was to come with any kind of negotiated settlement, we, the American prisoners in North Vietnam, were the only bargaining chip North Vietnam had. How did you feel when you got the news you were coming home in 1973, and when did you finally believe it was really happening? Uh, that's a good question, and it's not a short, easy answer, Scott. Huh. Uh, the first response is, yeah, yeah, we've heard that before. One of the phrases interrogators used to use to try to demoralize us was to bring up the subject of our possible return and say, the interrogator saying, I think maybe you go home soon. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year. But soon, uh, we re there were times when the North Vietnamese became a little bit afraid that they might have to let some of us go. We referred to those occasions as peace cares on their part, and we'd get an extra, we'd get a banana, you know, with a meal or something like that, maybe a little extra rice uh, and a little bit of protein. Uh, like they were trying to fatten us up, and then a few days or a few weeks, that would all go away, and things were back to the way they had been. So, uh, it was essentially, in speaking for myself, I was afraid to believe it. I had been disappointed before. I was afraid to trust that it would really happen. And I guess when it finally hit home, uh, oh, it was at least a good 10 days after we were released in North Vietnam. The process was the, the U.S. Air Force flew us from Hanoi to Clark Air Base in the Philippines uh, for debriefings and especially for whatever health care needs we had, hospitals. Uh, there were there were a fair number of guys that needed to receive bad news. Uh, their parents, their wives, uh, somebody had died during the many years they had been POWs. Uh, in some cases, they had been declared dead when they were shot down. Nobody knew any better. The wife had gone on and remarried. So. The Air Force kept us there, the service kept us there, uh, among other things, to kind of bring us down a little bit slowly. From there, they flew us to Travis Air Force Base in California in small groups, and from Travis Air Force Base, we were dispersed to uh, the Army, Navy, or Air Force Regional Hospital nearest our home. And... I was sent to Shepard Air Force Base in Texas. I spent a few days in the hospital there, uh, again, just bringing me slowly down. Uh, the first time I remember really getting a night's sleep was about the eighth day after our release from North Vietnam. And Obviously, there was a whole lot going on, but no small part of that was 
while I had been in Hanoi, I had dreamed about going home. And then woke up and it had been just a dream and I was still there. I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want to take a chance on waking up like that again. But after that that hard night's sleep with the aid of some medication from the doctor on the eighth night, I woke up and it began to slowly sink in from that point on. One of the amazing things that I found in doing my reading about this is around 80% of American POWs who survived the war continued their military careers. What did you retrain to do? I went to seminary and I finished my Air Force career as a chaplain. Your perspective as a former combat pilot, POW, and Air Force chaplain, what does Memorial Day mean to you? Uh, Scott, it all starts off when our nation began and we declared our independence from Great Britain. If you read the Declaration of Independence all the way through, down to the last sentence before the 56 men signed it, the last sentence signed by those 56 men was, and for the support of this this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That's, that has been the history of our nation since that declaration. As a nation, we've enjoyed more peace and more freedom and more prosperity for our citizens than any other nation in the world. But it comes at a great price. Most of those 56 men paid with their lives or their fortunes. They all kept their honor. And that's what the men and women now who have been fighting in the armed forces of our country have done for us. They've kept us free. One of my favorite uh, oh, highway signs is the one that says, if you can read this, thank a teacher. If you can read it in English, thank a vet. We've had a lot of men and women who have sacrificed their lives, in many cases, brutally, so that we continue to enjoy more individual freedom than any other nation in the world. I am most thankful for that. But I don't forget the cost that many of our countrymen have paid that we might continue to enjoy this freedom and this peace. 